Hello and welcome to another episode of the Debutante Report. Once again, I'm your host, Michael Lung, back again to break down another episode of Survivor 41, this time episode 6. And yeah, I think I'd like to call this one a merge-ish episode. It has to be one of the strangest episodes of Survivor I think I've ever seen. It did feel a bit weird not having a tribal council at the end to wrap it all up. Not seeing someone get their torch snuffed at the end was also really weird. And we didn't get to see all that much strategy play out either. So yeah, definitely a strange episode there. Um, But nevertheless, we'll try our best to break it all down once again this week. And let's dive right into it. We start off with the fallout from the last Uwe Tribal Council with now 12 players left in the game. And yeah, we're really seeing this season play out from the Uwe Tribe's perspective. So yeah, I think we've really got to know them quite well already. And I think I can speak for a lot of people in saying that pretty invested in them as characters as well. But yeah, even though the majority alliance of Shan and Ricard won out at the last Tribal Council, with neither of them having to play their advantages, they still seem to be a bit uneasy with each other. I mean, it was interesting because each side had a legitimate reason for being concerned about the other. I think because they both know that they need each other come merge, it made things a lot harder to work with each other, given that 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 there was that moment of mistrust earlier in the last episode. I mean, this extra vote is really digging a massive, like, divide between this alliance. It's really interesting to see. And yeah, Shan seemed pretty ticked off that the night they got back. It's probably the first time we've seen a real confrontation between two strong players this season where things kind of got heated. And even when she asked for it back again in the morning, she didn't seem quite too pleased with the card either. Like, they both seemed pretty annoyed with each other, even though they ended up winning out at that last tribal. But I think if Shan really trusted Ricard at that moment, she would let him hold on to the extra vote a little while longer, maybe after or until the next challenge, and potentially that would have allowed Ricard to trust Shan a bit more as well, rather than her nagging him to give it back to her as well. Because it definitely didn't give off a good look to Ricard in that situation, I don't think. But we did end up seeing Ricard give back uh, Shan's extra vote. Uh, I think it's probably the coldest exchange I've ever seen. I don't think it did anything to help the relationship, but nevertheless, things seemed to be rightfully back where they were. But yeah, I think Ricard had to give the extra vote back to Shan. Even if he had kept it for himself, it's really a useless advantage because it's so situational when to use it properly. I mean, if he had kept it, I'd say it wouldn't be... It would have been a low, even-numbered vote before he would be able to use it. Maybe like an eight-vote or a six-vote And even then, it might not even be worth playing, given now things might shake out later in the season. You can't really be too sure of where everyone's going to vote. So, yeah, that vote, once again, is so situational, and you can never really be entirely sure when to play it right. I think that margin for error is a lot slimmer than maybe an idol or any other advantage. So even though he would be giving Shan her extra vote back and giving her two advantages to use, it really wouldn't be that much and I think he'd be somewhat maintaining their bond even more even though it didn't seem like it by giving her the extra vote back and yeah I think if this ends up breaking their alliance further down just over a simple extra vote um, maybe when they hit merge it would make more sense I think to stick together at least initially because they'd been through so much as a tribe already and then maybe turn on each other later as things shake out but obviously yeah, you've got to make sure before the other person does and you've got to look after yourself first and foremost. So, yeah, it does make sense to stick with each other come merge rather than, than to turn on each other straight away, even though they're probably not too trusting of each other at the moment. 
And I, I guess that more players on the other tribe would be looking to turn on their own numbers sooner. So it would be more beneficial for both Ricard and Shan to stick together at merge, I guess, initially. But yeah, further down that road, we could definitely see Ricard and Shan turn on each other, which, yeah, would make for a really interesting moment in this season if it does happen. Um, but anyways, we move on to the big moment from this episode, which is the merge challenge. And I don't think I've ever been more confused by a challenge explanation before in Survivor. Like, we first have this merge announcement that we're merging at 12. I mean, it seemed a bit early for me, even though that's been the point in previous seasons where a merge has occurred. But with this being a new era of Survivor, I definitely would have thought we would merge at 10, given it's a shorter season and just, I think, would have wanted the tribe game to play out a little bit longer than it has. I mean, even with a decreasing Ua tribe, they could have been absorbed into the other two tribes and have it play out for another two more rounds. I mean, we saw that in Philippines when even when Malcolm and Denise were absorbed, there was little chance they were going to go home simply because the other tribes hadn't been tested before and probably would be more willing to take out one of their own, uh, yeah, simply because they hadn't been to tribal all that often. And I'm guessing that something similar would have taken place from what we had been shown so far in previous episodes that Ricard and Chan probably would have been relatively safe if they had been absorbed into either tribe. It would have been nice to see that play out and see more social dynamics form from there, but now getting into the twists of it all, <laughs> yeah, once again, I want to make sure I've got everything right. We split into two teams of five, and then two players won't be drawn into a team for this merge challenge. The winning team will earn their way into the merge, they'll enjoy the merge feast, and all five will be safe at the first merge tribal, with the losing team going back to the merge camp with very little resources, and they'll have to compete at the next immunity challenge for immunity from the first merge tribal. And then, one of the two players who didn't compete will be chosen to join the winning team and enjoy all the benefits that the winning team enjoyed, while the other one of the two will go to Exile Island for two nights. Now, that is a lot, a lot, a lot to take in right at a merge challenge, and even if, if the audience is confused about what's going on, I can't imagine how confused the players would be as well. I think I definitely think that some players would have to go up to producers and just to clarify what the rules are going into the merge. I mean, it was just so confusing. I think I had to rewind and pause quite a few times just to get a description of that. And yeah, just from this, I think this is where US Survivor has definitely crossed the line into going into absolute absurdity. I mean, I know in Australian Survivor, we've had moments in multiple seasons where over half the players at a tribal were immune, but this is just crazy. Yeah, like I had to pause and rewind just to understand what Jeff was saying. I mean, at least we got that broken fourth wall moment just before the challenge where he explained things a little bit beforehand, and even so, there was a lot to follow. It just seems very excessive the lengths they're trying to go to to mix things up this season when it's just made things so, so confusing for the audience. And yeah, I doubt the ordinary viewer will have understood exactly what was going on at that merge challenge. There's just too many layers on top of having to follow who has what advantages and idols, it's just becoming very confusing to follow and I think a little bit less enjoyable if you have to keep wondering what a player is allowed to do at each vote and each round of the game. I think it's definitely become less of the social strategizing, although we have seen quite a bit already this season, but I think advantages have just smothered the gameplay completely, that it's become less about strategy and more so of what's actually going on with a game mechanic. Yeah, it's just definitely going down a different route and... Yeah, it's just different. I think some people might like it, but I've seen a lot of people also dislike it. So, yeah, it's definitely a polarizing thing that Survivor's going for this season. 
But nevertheless, the challenge goes ahead and the blue team ends up winning, that being Ricard, Sydney, Danny, Deshaun and Evie. And they end up choosing Nasir over Erica to come over with them and join them at the Merge Feast. And I think out of the blue team, it seemed like Danny, Deshaun and Sydney were the voices behind that decision to keep Nasir since they were they were all on Luvu on the previous tribe. I think in that moment, I know they said that they took Nasir for fear of an all-girls alliance, which, yeah, it does end up making sense. I also found it pretty weird that Evie told them directly that that was what she was planning on her side, which probably isn't a good thing to do when you're trying to bond with new tribe mates at the merge. So that might have put her a bit offside with some of the men still left in the game, as we saw a little bit of. But going back to the decision to take either Nasir or Erica... Yeah, it probably does make sense for them to take Nasir, given that he seems pretty loyal to old Luvu, even though um, he's a bit of a threat with an idol in his pocket. And looking at Erica, I guess, she would be quick to turn on the original Luvu tribe at a merge vote, as we saw a little bit in, I think, the previous episode. But there's also that argument to take Erica because she could be an easy blindside target, which you saw later in the episode as well. Everyone seemed to want to pile their votes on Erica because she's away from camp and... Um, isn't able to strategize with a group of people. And yeah, the merge the merge votes always seem to be the consensus or the easy vote to pull off, and we've seen that before in other modern seasons like Cambodia, David vs. Goliath. Yeah, where the merge vote is just the lowest common denominator to go because no one wants to stick their neck out too early in this next phase of the game. But then again, an easy target may be too good to be true, and we did see even Shan said herself that, yeah, it might seem too good that they're just willing to throw out this easy vote so early on. Um, yeah, it does ring a bit of alarm bells there for Shan, for sure. So yeah, Nasir ends up joining the majority and then Erica is sent off to Exile Island with the players not realising that she's about to gain um, some more power in the game for her troubles at Exile Island, which we'll talk about later. And so yeah, the winning team gets to enjoy their feast and yeah, everything that normally comes with a merge, which... Yeah, the first food that they're getting this season, um, first proper meal, is yeah, just really shows how how lacking the players are of basic food and basic needs this season. So yeah, it's definitely something different that Survivor's going for. But yeah, back with the losing team at the new Merge Beach. I think, yeah, it's a bit of a weird stage of the game at the moment. I think it reminds me of Survivor Thailand where they're not exactly merged yet, but everyone's still interacting as if they are. I mean, yeah... It, did seem a bit anticlimactic when normally you get this huge merge feast that signifies the next stage of the game and everyone's bonding, but now everything seemed a bit more downplayed than normal. But yeah, touching on, I think, Tiffany's game at this stage, she's someone that really seemed to pop at this this part of the episode. Yeah, she got back with Liana, who seems to be somewhat tight with her, and like instantly Tiffany's gone off and she's talking strategy, she's gaming, and she's really in her face about all this and yeah, she's playing hard, but it's definitely come across as very over the top. And yeah, as Liana said, very intense and something that's not very conducive to social play in Survivor, even though, yeah, she probably has the right intentions to be solidifying social bonds. And yeah, I think she's definitely missed the second rule of David Bloomberg's rules to Survivor to not scheme and plot too much. I mean, yeah, her intentions are definitely there, but it's just come across as a bit too much and probably put her a bit offside with Liana, I think. Just looking at her edit and her status in the game at the moment. I'm not sure if she ha- she'll have the resume made to win, but at the moment she's giving me a bit of no vote runner-up kind of vibes as someone that will get taken to the end 
think they'll have a chance at winning given impassioned final tribal speech and then not receive any votes. Um, but yeah, that's just the vibes I'm getting from Tiffany at the moment. But there's, yeah, there's still a way to go and she could become a bigger player in the game further on. But I just, I don't see it, but it could happen. <laughs> we just have to wait. But on the plus side, she was very perceptive. Um, Tiffany, to do some digging and to grasp that Leon is probably a bit wary of her, given that she didn't tell her straight away about her knowledge, his power advantage. I know it wasn't shown too much, but she even told Sydney when she returned to camp to watch out for Liana. So she's definitely playing hard, and I'm sure other players are seeing it as well. She may not leave her in a good spot socially. If you're so... I mean, if you're so wary of everyone, you're not going to have many allies to stick with when it's time to vote. You've got to trust someone. Like, you can't be so sceptical of everyone. But yeah, now turning to Liana's game, she seemed to be in a really good spot at the moment, even though Tiffany is a bit sus of her. Like, she seems to be pretty good with Shan, and later on, with, when the winning team arrives back at camp, um, she starts to build that People of Colour alliance, which is really great to see. Um, so yeah, from her perspective, it's probably not worth keeping Tiffany around, or it might be worth actually cutting her loose um, if she's being more of a hindrance and getting in the way of Liana's game by blurting out her advantage info really early on, and if she's got good bonds on the other side too, it probably, yeah, is worth getting um, cutting Tiffany off in that situation. But yeah, that reminds me, touching on the subject of advantages, I completely forgot how many advantages were still left in the game until I saw the lower third of so many players that had advantages. And yeah, like I said before, it's become so hard to keep track of advantages that are still active in the game. And whilst the lower third does somewhat help out with that, it's still very hard to keep track of and how that plays into everyone's social and strategic game too, on top of the shot-in-the-dark die as well that everyone still has. Like, at the moment, there are three active idols in the game, plus probably a merge idol to be found. So that's potentially four idols, with maybe six people immune from already winning their way to the merge from that previous challenge, and then another person winning immunity at this next challenge. So that's potentially 11 out of 12 players left in the game immune which is absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, like I've said in previous podcasts, you can't have more than three idols in the game at one point because then at a final five, your game is broken and no one can go home. Like if you have three idols left in the game at a final five, you'll end up with a Sari situation, which absolutely no super fan wants at all. Even though Jeff has said himself that it's probably one of his favorite moments of survival, which I absolutely cannot understand. So yeah, if I haven't mentioned it enough before, there's definitely way too many idols in the game, let alone advantages. And yeah, speaking of which, we end off this episode with Jeff meeting Erica on Exile Island with a huge power in the game. She can choose to either reverse the result of the merge challenge, meaning that herself and the other five who didn't win now become safe in the merge, and those who won now become unsafe and will have to earn their way into the merge again. Or she can choose to keep things the way that they are. Now, in this situation for Erica, there are definitely ways of playing both outcomes, I think. I mean, I know it seems like a no-brainer to make yourself safe and therefore choose to reverse the outcome from her perspective. But if she does choose to do so, there's six other people left at camp who are not going to be impressed and will probably paint a bigger target on her back, even more so. But yeah, there is a chance that the five others she chooses to save will feel quite indebted to her and it gives her the chance to build alliance bonds that way now looking at the other side if she chooses to stick with things the way they currently are she doesn't tick off any of the original team who won their way to merge and there's the potential for that group to want to keep 
Erica around, knowing that she could have taken that away from them. And then similarly, the other five wouldn't be too impressed. But I think not as much that they wouldn't want to work with her in that situation. But in that case, there's no guarantee that the six that are safe would want to keep Erica around because in the next mo- in that moment, she still isn't immune from the next tribal. And so she does lack that safety that she wouldn't have if she does choose to reverse the decision. Yeah, I'm not sure if she has the option of like making up a story about what her advantage was, which could be an interesting to see if she does choose to do that. But yeah, I doubt it will happen given that production seemed to be hanging on the outcome of this twist that they seem so intent on. So yeah, I think there's no real way that Erica could, could play this advantage differently other than choosing to reverse or choosing to keep things the way they are. I actually had the idea that this new twist would be that Erica could choose whether to reverse the game entirely, where there would be no merge, and then the, the game would go in reverse order, if that makes sense. So it would go back to a tribe-based game with no merge, and in the end, only one would remain based on which tribe was the last to have members standing. I mean, it would be really interesting to see, but it would put a lot more emphasis on tribe challenge performance, but I guess that could be a big twist if that ever happened. I mean, that's an idea that Jeff might like. But yeah, that's something that just popped into my head when I saw that final scene from this episode. So yeah, then for predictions for next week, I think, yeah, there's a big chance that Erica would choose to reverse the outcome, given that safety is what you want in Survivor, and she has a guaranteed option of having it for the first merge trouble, so that would be pretty big for her, on top of the fact that she was in a bit of danger earlier in this episode and maybe come this first vote. Um, So yeah, I don't really see a situation where she doesn't choose to reverse the decision, and take safety for herself. But yeah, if I had to predict what happens at the next Tribal Council, assuming that Erica would save herself and the other five members, as I said before, I'd probably say that maybe Nasir gets the boot, simply because it seems like he has no solid alliance as of yet, and he is proven to be a little bit shifty to his former tribe, but yeah, then again, mergers are always hard to tell where people stand, especially in a season like this, where things are so unpredictable. So I think we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. Um, I think that's about it to talk about in this episode. Yeah, like I said, it was a bit different not having a tribal council at the end. We didn't see all too much strategizing in this episode, but yeah, we did still seem seem to be able to draw out a little bit of what's going on. And yeah, I think it will definitely come to a climax in next next episode where we see, um, yeah, the fallout of what happens here. But yeah, I think that brings us to the end of yet another podcast recap. Yeah, I really wanted to thank you for listening to another episode of The Debutante Report. If you made it all the way to the end, I really appreciate you if you did. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Debutante Report. And let me know your thoughts as well on Twitter at Debutante Report if you agreed or disagreed with anything I've mentioned in this episode. And yeah, we'll be back again next week to break down episode 7 of Survivor 41 and the second half of this episode. Should be a cracker. Can't wait to dive back into it next week. But until then, hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye.